Well, hey guys, and welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's constantly at work in our mess. Yes, no matter where you're coming from or what you're facing at this exact moment, this is a place where you can take off the mask, kick off your shoes, and take a deep breath of truth and encouragement. I know I could certainly use it, and maybe you could too. Well, my name is Jen Jewell, and I have the honor of hosting this faith-fueled conversation-style podcast, which unleashes a brand new episode into your speakers, your AirPods, your ears every other Tuesday. And back with me today as my co-host is my good friend, Cindy Beal. Guys, we are partnered with the women of our church, Life Church, where we are specifically planted, where our husbands are both on staff. But beyond that, we just love locking arms with people from all over the greater Capital C Church, with women who are willing to courageously peel back the layers on a messy piece of their life. So if this whole global pandemic and politically divisive situation has done anything, it's helped me to remember that we are all in process, still learning, still growing, still desperately needing the good news of the gospel morning after morning and day after day. And as I dig into the pages of scripture, I'm reminded that Jesus not only tolerated those who were still in process, but he loved those who were still in process. There was the woman caught in the act of adultery, literally pulled from the scene and brought before Jesus. There were those greedy tax collectors who confiscated way more than their allotted salaries. And then there were Jesus's own disciples, Thomas, who massively struggled with doubt, Peter, who pledged his loyalty one minute, yet denied him the next. But guys, thankfully, God doesn't wait for them or for us to get our lives together before He begins to work. In fact, He chases after us when we run. He pursues us when we hide in shame, and He invites us to drink from a bottomless well. Yes, even when we're stuck in sin, even when we're trapped in brokenness, even when we're still in process. He says, let anyone who's thirsty Come to me and drink. Y'all, we cannot even tell you how giddy we are for episode 85. Cheryl Mears is a wife, mom, pastor, photographer, and a passionate dealer of hope. But listen, it has not always been that way. Unfortunately, Cheryl's past was littered with heartbreak, drugs, divorce, abuse, affairs. One might even wonder, can she really come back from a past like that? But that is why you need to get ready because Cheryl is living proof that God's in the redemption business and He can truly transform us into better than new. So grab or reheat your coffee, pull up a chair, and join Cindy and me for a chat with Cheryl. Well, Cheryl, welcome to The Messy Table. We're so glad you're here. So excited you're here, Miss Cheryl. How fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I have known you for a long time. For a long time. Um, I could tell all the amazing things about you, but I would like for you to give us a little bit of peek into who you are for the listeners. All right. Well, my name is Cheryl Mears, and I um, was born and raised actually in Yukon, Oklahoma. Ooh, which is where I, grew up. I don't know if we've talked about this. I'm a Yukon girl. I know. I a heard millennium. that. You come Got Miller. Wow. Now we live in Mustang. So now we're Mustang Broncos. Oh, goodness. It's oh. a thing. So you turned. I did. 
I turned. But you're on staff at UConn, so it's still kind yes. of even yes. out. That's yes. so funny. You turned. Gosh. Uh, I'm a little nervous okay. now. Okay. okay. Yes. Right. Keep going. It's awesome. So I am married to my husband, Josh. Uh, we've actually been together 16 years. Yep. We were married for two divorced for one and they got okay. remarried so this september we'll celebrate 11 years awesome. being wow. remarried which is awesome we well, have two amazing kids skylar he is 14 and then adeline she is nine going on 22 right. so, <laughs> yes. the, yeah for sure yes what else about you yeah so some fun facts about me is that i was miss yukon in 1994 yeah oh, dang. Okay. Oh, yeah Ooh, the pageant wave oh yes the big oh, hair yes. i mean it was the aquanet you name it do like, you have it was the there. crown somewhere no, I don't have the crown. I was in Miss Oklahoma in okay. 94 okay. as wow. Miss Yukon. And so I think I got sixth runner-up. I'm not impressive. 100% sure. That's a long time ago. Can I ask what your talent was? Yes. So in Miss Oklahoma, you actually don't have a talent. Oh. Praise the Lord, because okay. this girl ain't got talent. I can't sing. Yeah. I can play the radio like it ain't nobody's business. Yeah. <laughs> You're good at the Spotify. Yes. I just said the Spotify. Like <laughs> the Spotify. The young people are like, gosh, the she's old. The COVID. Yeah. And I do grammar <laughs> and editing, so that's not good to use the like article it. for that. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. And I was a, a bowler growing up. What? And so right before graduation, we had one last state tournament, and I was like, it's either do or die. And so <laughs> I I won it. I was so glad. And I actually really haven't bowled since unless it's like for fun. So, so. you have a range of gifts. You're very, yes. um, tra- I mean, not traveled, but you have a lot of experience. Oh, yeah, I do. Pageant and all the areas. Bowling. <laughs> bowling. 94 was your year, it wasn't was it? It was my year. It was my year. Wow. So do the math and you'll probably know about how old I am. But oh my it's, gosh. it's fun because Josh, he will actually be 36 this year. And I'm so excited because yeah. I'm eight and a half years older than he Ooh. is. So I am a cougar. You are a cougar. Mm-hmm. I'm a cougar. I'm yes. 347 days older than okay, you. Come on. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> so fun. Wow. Okay. Very good. So tell us about your, like, what do you do during the day? Do you just eat bonbons at home or you no. just. No. So yeah. I have the honor and privilege of of being the operations pastor at Life Church Yukon. Oh, Pastor Tim and Knox. Yes, yes, yes. I love what I get to do. That's I love so what I get to do. That's so awesome. tell everyone what does an operations pastor do for those who aren't Life Church culture right. don't know. Yeah. So as an operations pastor, um, I get to support the campus, support my campus pastor and all of our different ministries, which yeah. is from Life Kids to Switch, our host team, uh, Life Groups and Life Missions. The nuts and bolts. The basically. nuts and bolts. Yeah. I get to help with all of our special events like baptism mm-hmm. um i get to do so many amazing things and so and it's incredible. on top of that you get to lead volunteers and yes. you get to not just lead them to help them do a task but you are shepherding these people oh and absolutely i mean for those who don't know cheryl she is quite a pastor and mm. loves to pour into people and impact their lives mm. and so she does have the dream job for mm. her it's it's amazing yeah. i cannot believe that i get to do what i get to do today mm. yeah I the glue behind it. the scenes that's right Right. She is. It's fun. Okay. So you obviously already alluded to a little bit of mess in your life. Yeah. You're no stranger to mess. Right. So tell us a little bit more. Give us a scoop into your backstory and yeah. kind of the mess behind it that not everyone sees. Right. So not long after high school, I actually met someone and ran away and got married and was married to somebody else for about 10 years. Okay. And through that very difficult marriage, physical abuse, emotional, um, I started using drugs and used drugs. Methamphetamines was actually my drug of choice Mm. because it just took away all my pain that I was in. And I used that for about five years. 
Um, through that, I met Josh. So a little bit of real mess is that I was actually his drug dealer, which is how wow. I met him. Okay. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And that is a mess. Yeah. It is a yeah. mess. Yeah. Amazing in a, in a in a wow way. In a God kind of way, because we and see what absolutely. we see now, right? For sure. Yeah. And But that's how I met Josh. And there's a lot of trauma that happened through the course of our drug use. But April 15th, 2005 was the turning point for me. It mm. was whenever I knew that I was ready for something different. And I was actually pregnant with Skylar at the time, which is Josh's baby. And I did my last line of dope that morning. And I escaped a very broken and abusive marriage. And I've been sober ever since. So that's what, 15, 15 years, years of sobriety? 15 years of sobriety. What was the tipping point? What was the change? The tipping point was actually um, in November 2004. I was arrested for selling drugs to an undercover cop. And that was a point where I was like, okay, I'm not really sure what my life is going to look like. I was actually pregnant at the time as well. And my ex-husband at the time, I didn't really want to suffer the consequences of what would happen if I didn't follow through. So I had abortion Mm -hmm. and that was Josh's baby. And then it was February of 2005 when I got pregnant with Skylar. Okay. And I wanted so much to be a mom. And that sweet boy changed my life. God used him to change my life. And I knew that I I wanted to be sober. And I was actually um, 24 hours away from my ex making me have another abortion. And I was not going to do that. I was not going to do that. I wanted to be a mom. And I've been clean ever since. That's awesome. Yeah. I did not know who God was, but he knew who I was. He knew who I was. So good. Yeah. It's interesting. I remember on an Instagram post, maybe this year sometime, Mm -hmm. of you showing a picture of the mugshot (gasps) from when you were arrested. Mm. And then, isn't that right? The mugshot and then who you are today. Yes. And the night and day transformation that you've gone through through this journey. That was pretty impactful for me. When I look into her eyes, there's no hope. There's just darkness. And when I look into who God's created me and called me to be, I see the light of Jesus, which is incredible. So were you incarcerated at that point? No. So I was actually facing 10 years in prison. Okay. Had a great attorney. Uh, I went through AA meetings and got a slip signed. I went through parenting classes. I did outpatient treatment, did voluntary UAs, drug my court case out for about two years and put my life in the hands of the judge rather than the DA. And I was sentenced to 30 weekends at a women's facility. So that was in 2007. So Schuyler would have been how old at that time? He was just a baby. Okay. He was about one and a half, two. Was he in the hands of DHS? No. So Josh and I actually like? had gotten married during that time. Okay. And so Josh took care of him while I was away on the weekends and mm-hmm. everything. Um, and so it was a rough season because Josh and I are both trying to figure out, like, how do we stay sober and go to meetings and do all these things? And how do we do it without God? Mm, like, right. I prayed to God and I prayed to higher power. So at this point, you'd not come to know Christ. I had not come to know Christ. Okay. No. 
So tell us, I mean, I, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead yeah, here. Connect but the dots. Connect me yeah. some dots there because you're this amazing pastor and woman of God. Mm. No and, one would have and, a clue. Yeah. And I want to know, tell yeah. me how he met you because you said earlier you didn't know him, but he knew you. Yes, and he did. I love that. Yeah. So it was actually in the spring of 2008. And I'm a date person. That's how I keep track of my timeline. Sure. Um, but it was in the spring of 2008, Josh and I started going through counseling. And it was in that season that he realized that he didn't want to be married to me. He didn't love me. Um, it wasn't long after that I discovered he was having an emotional affair with a woman he worked with. Okay. And he was ready to do something different. He was ready. And so he actually left um, in June of 2008. And all I remember was when he was packing up his things, I remember handing Skylar to him. I remember going down the hallway into my bedroom and I remember kneeling in a dark closet. And I remember saying out loud, God, if you are real, I really need to know right now Mm. because I can't do this. And I just remember Skylar coming into that dark closet and wrapping his little two-and-a-half-year-old chubby arms around me. And he said, Mom, I love you. And I, for the first time in my life, felt the presence of God. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't sure what my life was going to look like. I didn't know what the future held. But I knew in that moment that I was going to be okay. God's presence through your sweet baby. Yeah. And I had some amazing friends, Michael and Carrie Butler, who I'm totally calling out right now because (laughs) they knew me. They knew my history. They attended Life Church, Northwest Oklahoma City. And they were telling me about at the movies and that they were going to be watching a movie and popcorn and all the things. And I'd previously went to a couple of churches and just ran out with a crying baby because I just didn't feel welcome. I was like, what kind of church does movies and popcorn? Like, no, I'm not going. There's no way. And they just kept on. They kept inviting me. And so I walked through the doors of Life Church Northwest Oklahoma City during their first week of At the Movies in 2008. And it was the pursuit of happiness. And I just remember Pastor Craig talking about affliction and adversity. I remember that. I remember it so much that I went back the next week. And it was, we are Marshall. And Pastor Craig talked about broken, tragic moments in your life. Maybe it's a marriage. And I fell apart. Hmm. And it was at the end of that message that I gave my life to Jesus. Wow. And my life has never been the same. Hmm. Never That's been the amazing. Same. So you come to Christ. Did you and Josh, was your divorce final at this point? No. So we had filed. And I, he actually came to church with me once at okay. Northwest Oklahoma City. Okay. But it just, it wasn't for him at the time. Okay. It wasn't. So we filed for divorce. It was actually final in, I think, May, March or May of 2009. And through that course, you know, I started reading my Bible. I started learning, mm. okay, what does this look like? So a little bit more about me, like I cussed like a sailor. Like <laughs> I had a very colorful language. Sure. And I remember reading in scripture about letting no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And I was like, I might need to quit cussing. Right. And that's when the transformation truly started. That's when I started reading about forgiveness and what forgiveness looks like. Mm-hmm. And I knew that Josh and I were going to be Skylar's parents forever. So the only thing we could do was be friends. And so even in my pain, even in my brokenness, 
I prayed, just God, take care of us. I don't know what that looks like, but just take care of us. And so I prayed for Josh. Um, I prayed for him to have a godly relationship, for him to come to know Christ. Mm. And it was after our divorce was final that he actually was handed a, a note and a letter that I had written him that Skylar had found. And it was just asking for another chance, praying that he would like not give up on us. And I remember getting a phone call from him and he just said, I love you so much. And I said, I love you too. You're my friend and Skylar's daddy. He's like, no, like I really love you. And I think I've made a mistake. And yeah. And so we had coffee, which he didn't drink coffee. (laughs) Um, And he uh, took me out on a date we watched Fireproof Your Marriage. Mm. I made him go home. I was like, I'm not kissing you. I can't do nothing. Like, I'm pure. We're not no. married. There ain't no nothing going on. So I sent him out the door on his way. And he texted me and he said, I want to go to church with you tomorrow because I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. What? Wow. And that was May 2009. That's amazing. Yeah. So I'm sitting here blown away. <laughs> we just covered so much. It's so and I'm crazy. Like, I know. It's like, is this real? My eyes are filled with tears because it was literally the truth that set you free. Absolutely. Also, you had tried all the things. Everything. And kind of going back to that pursuit of happiness, it did yeah. not bring joy. No, Mm-mm. it didn't. Yeah. So it was so fun because in June, he proposed to me. And then we got remarried in September of 2009. So... Goodness. So what did that look like? You guys doing drugs together, living yeah. that life, and now suddenly you are followers of Christ. You're reading the Bible. You're going, oh, maybe I shouldn't say yeah. that. Like, what did that whole process look like for both of you oh, together? gosh. There's no doubt that whenever you give your life to Jesus, there is a huge target on your back. And Satan wants nothing more than to take you out. It was during those first years of my relationship with Jesus that that transformation happened. It was through that that I was called into ministry um, and started working at Life Church Yukon in 2010. Oh, and just a side note, during that season, um, I had this camera that I had and God literally blessed me with the gift of photography. And I started taking pictures and it was so um, incredible because it just provided for me financially in that season. And now I get to do pictures for families and babies and all of the things. It's so fun. Awesome. Yeah. It was during that time that I discovered Cindy Bill's blog and mm. just started reading her story. And I was like, man, if I could ever know her, she's amazing. <laughs> I remember seeing her. I feel at, that way every day. <laughs> right? I remember seeing her walk through the lobby one time. I was like, oh my gosh, there she is. Like, she's just a ray of sunshine. Rub shoulders with us, Cindy Beale. Oh, it man, was, you guys she was are too just much. a ray of sunshine. And I didn't realize it at the time, but Josh was still struggling with a deep-rooted addiction. And it was in 2012 that I learned that he was in a porn addiction. He was having affairs. Mm-hmm. And he was broken. Yeah. He was broken. And I remember sitting on the couch with him. And I remember asking, do you want to be well? Wow. Do you want to be well? Because it says in Isaiah 43, too, that like, I will walk through the deep waters with you and you will not drown. Yeah. And I just remember telling him that if you are ready to walk through the fire, I will walk through the fire with you. We will do this together. And I was a broken, hot mess. 
And you were a saved, broken hot mess. Yes, I was. <laughs> and I needed Jesus, and He was right there. He was mm. right there. Well, even the fact that you were willing to go, yeah. come on, like I'm still in this if you are. Absolutely. Powerful thing you just said mm. was that you sat down with Him and you said, Do you want to be well? Mm. And I think because of your brokenness, your poor choices from the past, yeah. all the things you subjected yourself to. I mean, some things were put on you, you know, from your ex-husband, but, you know, your choices led you down this tumultuous path. But had you not done that, I think that woman sitting on the sofa with her husband would have been like, why are you doing this to me? Absolutely. You were very aware of his sin condition. You were yeah. like, you realize it really wasn't about Cheryl. It, was, it wasn't. It's a broken man before you, and mm-hmm. he he was your friend, and he happened to be your husband, and and I think there's power in that when we can remove ourselves enough to say when someone's doing something to not assume it's about us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I had to do the same thing with Chris. I was like, oh, this this really wasn't about me, right? Because I had convinced myself I was not a good wife, and I was right. not a good, you know, all the things that I wasn't good at. And it really was just about someone who was not well. Of course, mm-hmm. it doesn't mean we don't have things to work through. But overall, when you can have that elevated vision, and I think you did, and that's a pretty—I want the listener to hear mm-hmm. that. You had— yeah. God gave it to you. Whatever it was, mm-hmm. you were there to walk beside a man. And he happened right. to be your husband. Yes. Yeah. And I think even one of the turning points for me was I sent you an email. I shared with you what was going on. And Josh had already reached out and set up an appointment with Chris Beal. Awesome. Which was a huge, huge turning yeah, point the fact for that him. He initiated it. Mm. Absolutely. Because I was like, you got to do the work. I can't do this for you. Like, and so, and he, he did the work. He worked so incredibly hard. He set up all the appointments for therapy and all of that. But the turning point was when you responded to me in an email and you said, this is where the rubber meets the road in your faith. This is where you need to realize this isn't about you. Even though you're hurting, this is about a man who's ready to be free. Mm. And that, Cindy Beal, It was wow. such a turning point for me. Yeah. It really was. And even though I was hurting and even though I was broken, I knew that Jesus had us and I knew that he was going to see us through this. For sure. And I didn't know what it looked like. Right. But I knew that he was with us. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yes. Yeah. And first of all, if you're listening to Cindy talk and you don't know any of her story, please go back and listen to episode 11, which is so powerful. A story of redemption, really, in your marriage. Absolutely. And then I couldn't help but think as you're talking of John 5, where Jesus asked mm. the invalid, do you want yes. to be healed? Do you want to be made well? Yes. And I think that's such an important question because we have to want it. You know, because it seems like an obvious question. Like, why would Jesus ask this man who's been sitting by this pool for it's like 30 something years? Do you want to be healed? Well, of course. Right. Oh, I don't have to come to grips with myself. Right. Mm, Right. If I don't want it. Right. And so I thought that was really powerful. Um, And so that's the first question that Jesus asked him. And then he said, now get up, pick up your mat and walk. And that's when he was healed was at that moment when he realized, yes, I want this man, Jesus. Yeah to heal me. Well, when I think about that scripture and when I hear you speak that out loud, it reminds me of one word and the word is willingness. It reminds me whenever I got sober, I was willing. I was willing to be clean. I was willing to do the hard work. 
And Josh was willing to do the hard work. And if you are willing, I'm telling you right now, if you're willing with Jesus, you can do anything. The sky is the limit for what God will do in your life if you're willing. Wow. That is so, that's 100% true. People want to, they want a quick fix. And basically Mm -hmm. when I get emails from people and have over the years about our story, whether it's they read the book, they tell me their whole story and they'll ask me the same questions. And in my mind, I'm thinking, did you read chapter four? Because I talked all about forgiveness or whatever. (laughs) But what they're basically asking me is, so I read everything and I'm just wondering, is there a shortcut? Because I read what you went through and that doesn't sound appealing. Mm -hmm. And there is no shortcut to sanctification. Mm -hmm. There is no shortcut to redemption. But what you said is simple. We don't have to do the redeeming. We just have to be willing willing Mm -hmm. to let the redemption happen in our lives and flow right. through us. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, and let's broaden that to any category of sin for sure. that we 100%. all have. Absolutely. Yeah. Are we willing? Yeah. Any, willing. any area, not just marriage stuff. So, mm. wow. so yeah. we're listening to all of this and <laughs> I keep going back to all the things that you did. And I'm using some air quotes here. All the yeah. things you did in your life that many people would be like, wow, that's, I don't know if you can come back from that, mm. but I know you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I see you. I spend time with you, and I I talk to you in right. the text. And you're not living under mm-hmm. this shame canopy right. that many do. All of the the yucky stuff. And so I know people are listening who maybe are like, I can't get over what I did. How have you gotten not just over, but how have you gotten through all the things you did, mm. and to live where you are now? Yeah. So through Josh's journey to be well and seeking therapy, he started seeing a therapist. And then I started seeing a therapist. And it was in that therapy that I came to grips with the childhood trauma, being molested as a little girl, as a teenager. I came to grips with that and I found healing in that. I came to grips with all of the things that I had done and that God has forgiven me for, which is some pretty hard stuff. Right. And it was through that that then Josh and I started going to marriage counseling. And we actually went away to a place called The Hideaway where we learned about our pain cycle. We learned about our peace cycle. You know, your pain cycle is your feelings, feeling not good enough, feeling like you don't measure up. And that's when a light switch went off for me, like, oh, my goodness, this is starting to make sense. The piece that we have is who Jesus says we are. Right. And he says that we're loved, that we're called, that we're empowered. He says that we're his. And it was through that therapy and through all of that healing and through a very powerful message that I can't remember what it was at this time, but Pastor Craig had shared that your past does not define who you are. So good. You are not your past. And it was through that that I just, I found so much healing and so much power in the testimony that God has allowed me to have that if I had to go back and do it over, I wouldn't. I wouldn't change no matter how much hurt it caused because I wouldn't have Skylar today. I wouldn't have the life that I have today, the ministry that I have today, the people that are in my life that I have today today. If I was to change one thing in history. Hmm. 
So tell us more about that piece, because obviously you were experiencing a lot of pain, a lot of brokenness, a lot of purposelessness, I imagine. Mm -hmm. And then you felt that shift. What was that like? You know, through all of that, I had to accept my mistakes, Mm. accept my past. I had to forgive myself for the mistakes I had made. The biggest trauma I had to overcome was the decision, be it not my full decision, but the decision to have that abortion. That caused so much deep-rooted pain, Mm. and I had to forgive myself for that. I had to forgive myself for playing a part in how I made Josh feel. I didn't make him go have an affair, but I certainly didn't help the situation with how I maybe treated him or the way I behaved. And so I had to come to terms with my choices, my behaviors, and forgive myself. Hmm. Allow God to forgive you. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I would imagine that's a repetitive thing of reminding yourself. Absolutely. Like that's what I, I mean, that's exactly what all of us go through when we have a hard time. We're feeling shame about something we did or something we said or the way we act. I'm like, you just have to continue to push through Mm -hmm. and go, okay, that was a decision I made. That's not who I am. And it's just this, I'm choosing to believe the truth versus um, accept what the enemy or what my flesh says or all the Mm -hmm. things that are going against what the truth is. Well, and do we ever get to a point where we fully forgive ourselves, you know, because those things do keep coming back up. But it seems like there's a point, at least for me, where I just have to go, Lord, like, I'm not big enough, but you are. Yeah. Mm. And I might not ever fully get there, but you can and you have, and I just need to believe it. Right. And it's maybe just an acceptance. Maybe that's where you were, Cheryl, that you're like, okay, yes, I made this choice. You know, my first child is not living on this earth. And I don't know how to reconcile that. And I'm just going to have to leave it at the feet of Jesus. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. because that, like you said, that's a big one for you. I mean, for any woman who has done that. It's a big one. And I I haven't shared it with many. Yeah. It's a piece that I hold really close because of just the pain it could bring somebody Mm -hmm. else. For sure. Yeah. And so, um, so even sharing it now. I have just that gut feeling of like, oh, goodness. Mm. Someone's listening and they're hurting. Right. What would you say to her or him? I mean, yeah. men hurt from it as well. You are not your choices. You're not your decisions. Yes, we make those choices. We make those decisions. But it doesn't define who you are. Mm. It doesn't define who you are. God defines who you are. Amen. That's good. And he forgives all sins. He doesn't say, I forgive this sin or I forgive that sin. He died on a cross for us so we could have forgiveness for our sins. White as snow. That is exactly right. Hard to believe, but it's true. That is exactly right. So I guess speaking of that pain, just pain that you've had to overcome Mm -hmm. by the blood of Jesus, I guess my initial question of, now that you've experienced that peace, what do you want someone to know? Mm. That if you will walk through the valley and you will do the hard work, put on your boots, grab the hand of Jesus, and you just keep walking up that mountaintop, the sun is so bright, Mm. the light shines, and the darkness 
it, it won't ever overcome it because the light shines so bright. And so that is the peace we have. So Chris and I just went on a little trip and we went to Colorado. And in the summer, we do a lot of hiking when mm-hmm. we're in Colorado. And we did this hike that was like 1,350 feet in elevation. Mm-hmm. And we started wow. at like 8,000 feet. So, you know, you're up there. There's not a lot of oxygen. And so while I... Chris and I are both athletically fit. I mean, I shouldn't say athletically. Please don't ask us to join your team. Um, (laughs) But we're physically fit. You can handle it. We take care of ourselves. But um, going up that mountain, when there's lack of oxygen, your lungs are burning. And I would go some and I would stop. And I would have to catch my breath. Yes. And I would feel kind of like a failure a little bit. I was like, gosh, I can't just do this hike because my husband was definitely much better at it than me. He didn't need many breaks. He only breaked, <laughs> took a break when I did, but I would feel so bad. And then finally, one of our breaks, I stopped and I turned and looked at the view. Come on now. Mm. Yeah. I looked and I saw the valley that I had just climbed out of. Mm-hmm. And I saw this amazing view of these trees and there was a waterfall and I, I was just blown away that had I not gotten tired, I would have missed the stop along the way, mm-hmm. we would have just kept going because there was this one guy, he ran all the way up and all the way down, four miles total is probably done in 35 minutes. Wow. And wow. it took us a little bit longer than 35 minutes. <laughs> but I think I think about you telling these people who are walking this journey, grab hold of his hand, mm-hmm. he'll pull you through the valley. Absolutely. And when you need to stop and take a breath, just keep hold of his hand and turn yeah. around and look at the view of what you've come through. Well, that's right. good. And, you know, there will be days where you don't need to think about tomorrow. Don't borrow trouble from tomorrow. Just do today. And there were many days in walking through the recovery with Josh and learning to trust him again through that bout of affairs. And But seeing God work in him, I was like, okay, I'm going to do today one breath at a time. And there were some days it was one hour at a time. And I would get through that day, I would stop and take a break, and I would keep trucking up the mountain because Jesus had a hold of both of us. That's so good. And through this journey, I remember many text messages from you that we would, you know, exchange about trust and rebuilding and all those things that kind of accompany that that situation. Who else was, you mentioned this one couple earlier that you kind of called them out, the butlers, is that who you said? Who else just came alongside and helped disciple you? Well, you and Chris played a huge part in that. Well, I wasn't calling for a shout out, but I appreciate (laughs) it. Well, but but it it really, truly um, was very helpful. Josh, he met with some friends. Were these new friends therapy. or were these drug dealer friends? No, or what they, were friends new, were these? they were new friends. One of them was his friend, Corey. That's awesome. Um, that just was such a faithful friend. I reached out to Robin Meadows yeah. and she um, was amazing and just was like that spiritual mom to me. Yep. Um, my sweet friend, I call her my mama season. You know, she just loved me through that season. And I have some friends in the church. One of my pastors, he was our Life Groups Life Missions pastor. Um, total shout out to him, which is Zane Roland. He pastored us. That's great. And he still is one of Josh's accountability partners. That's awesome. And he just was there. He was there. And he said, you do not have to have it together today. Because we'd be at church on a weekend. And I was a mess. And I was just having a hard day. He's like, you don't have to have it together. It's okay. You don't have to 
be perfect. He just pastored me through that. It was incredible. Mm. I love that you had the right people around you at the right time to help just kind of let you be where you were, but not say, okay, just stay there. But hey, let's keep going. But you can take a break if you need to. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's good. Yeah. So side note on the topic of marriage, because there are a lot of women listening right now who are at a rough place in their marriage or they've been in a rough place in their marriage. Maybe it's similar to either of your stories or maybe it's completely different. Mm -hmm. But I would love for you to speak into both of you. Just what is something that you want someone right now who is just like, I don't know if I can do this. What is something that you would speak to them right now, no matter what their situation is? If you and your husband are willing and you both want to change, maybe one of you is hurt and broken. Maybe the other is the one that committed a sin or broke the heart of your spouse. If you're willing, don't give up. Do the hard work because the hard work is worth it. Mm. The hard work is worth it. It's just like when we work out and I work out every day. We don't get to where we are by just jumping in. It's one day at a time where you build your strength, that you condition yourself, Mm -hmm. that you um, have nutrition, that you eat healthy. It's the same thing. And how you have to feed your spirit, you have to be in the Word of God Mm -hmm. because you can't do this by yourself. There's a lot of angles. (laughs) There's so many angles. There's so many angles. But if you're willing to do the hard work with Jesus— And find trusted people in your life that will, number one, be honest and truthful with you no matter how much it hurts. They will hold you accountable. They will love you through it, but they will be honest and uplifting. They will point you to Jesus. Those are the people that you need in your life Mm -hmm. when you're working through tragedy, brokenness, any kind of healing that you need. You need those trusted people in your life that will point you to Jesus. And I would imagine those people that you guys had in your life were for Josh and Cheryl. Yes. They weren't for Cheryl. They weren't for Josh. I mean, they were for you, but they wanted to see Mm -hmm. you guys together. Right. So I think that's important to know that, you know, it's okay to have our girlfriends, but like my dearest friends in life, they will Mm -hmm. call me out. They're not trashing your husband. No, they want, they want, they are for Chris and Cindy. People need to be for the marriage, you know, if that's what you're going toward is Mm -hmm. reconciliation. Absolutely. I mean, I would reach out to Robin Meadows and she didn't talk with Josh. And I would kind of go about, well, this is happening. That She's like, hold on a second. Hold on a second. Where's your part? Where's your part? (laughs) And then one of the things that she would say to me is like, you are not his Holy Spirit. Yeah. You are not his God. You need to pray for him. Pray for him. And she would just hold my feet to the fire. And that go Robin. She's good like that. She's good like that. We like you, Robin. We love Robin. (laughs) Yes. And it's just you want those people that are for you and no bashing, like what you said. They want you both to win no matter what. Mm. Right. And I think I would add to that. You spoke it beautifully, Cheryl, but I would add to the person who is listening whose spouse maybe isn't all in, but they are. Because I get I get a lot of that. We get a lot of that. That's just Not all marriages are going to survive hardship Mm -hmm. because, like you said, Cheryl, you've got to both be all in. But what I would speak to the one who is in and maybe waiting for the spouse or maybe, as I had a conversation yesterday, this person doesn't want to stay married but also wants to obey God. And so all I tell them is, look, at the end of the day, 
when you have put your head on your pillow, do you feel like you've done everything in your power, in your human power, trusting God to save this marriage? And I would just say, you know, that's all you can be responsible for. You're not responsible for your spouse right. or their and their lack of choosing to work through something. And so I've often told women, you know, they're like, I want to get a divorce today. I'm like, you know what? Is waiting three more months to file going to be that big of a deal for you? Mm-hmm. And most of the time they say, you know what? I can give it a few more months. And so it's not that you are going to stick around in an abusive situation or a situation that seems to have very little hope because there are those out there. Mm-hmm. But I would say that just before God, do everything in your power. And that's what, for me, that's what I had to do. And thankfully, it turned out that my husband was willing in the mm-hmm. process as right. well. Right. So well, how many people are actually expecting a miracle in that moment? Because it's a dark place. Like dark where place. both of you were was yeah. a very dark place. Dark place. And so what do you do in the meantime when you're waiting for that miracle or you're hoping and praying for that miracle, but it hasn't happened yet? You don't know if it'll ever happen. Right. Like, what do you do? Right. Well, I mean, the meantime is called the meantime. For a reason. Mm-hmm. It's mean. Mm-hmm. It's hard. <laughs> I've yeah. never heard that. Yeah. That's awesome. I haven't either. Someone, someone said that. I just kind of copied it. That's, That's what writers do. But I, yeah, it's mean. It's painful. It's not fun to wait. I mean, when you were waiting for Josh to come through, I mean, there were days, like you said, there were hours, hour by hour. Yeah. I know for me, and not just marriage related, but walking kids through the teenage years Mm. and watching children struggle with Mm. growing into people that are supposed to be responsible, independent adults (laughs) and and watching other people, watching our church navigate difficulties and watching my friends who are black walk through their own feelings that they have through this season Mm. as well, because Mm -hmm. There's hurt all around. And so what I would say is while you're waiting for this miracle, don't forget to see that sometimes there are little miracles every day. We think that the miracle is that Jesus fed the 5,000, and it was. We think that the miracle was that he healed the man to get up and take his mat and walk, and it was. But there's little bitty miracles every day, and we just have to have eyes to see that God is working in the meantime. Mm While we're waiting on these things that we're waiting on. Is it a song that says, while we're waiting, we're not really waiting? Something like that. There's a Hillsong worship Mm -hmm. song, while I'm waiting, I'm not waiting. And there's that. It kind of alludes to Cheryl's doing the work. And please let us tell our listeners, we're not alluding to any kind of work for God's love. It's it's just a work of you've got to be willing to get your feet dirty, get in there and you can't just expect God to come down with his heavenly wand and go, okay, you're better. Sometimes he does. Right. But most of the time we are working through our pain to get to the other side and we're going well, through it. we're not robots. And so sometimes he uses the unexpected mm-hmm. to get to us. Well, and I think about, so it makes me rewind to 2008 when Josh left. So we went through that divorce. It was ugly and it was messy but I had just given my life to Jesus and I knew that I couldn't change Josh, but I knew that I could change and I was willing to allow God to do a work in me in that season. And so I, I had to let him go. Now, I don't say like if your marriage is in a place where your spouse doesn't want to work on it right. and you do that, you let them go and you don't care. You're not advocating for divorce. Right. I'm not advocating for that. Well, that's not your job. There's, that's it's, exactly right. It's none of our jobs. What I'm saying is let go of the control 
of trying to change and you be the change. And what I mean by that is I allowed God to do a work in me and was willing to walk through it. And I was the only Bible that Josh read because of my actions, my behaviors, how I treated him, how I acted, all of those things. I was the only Bible he was going to read. And so allow Jesus to shine through you. Find that trusted person that you can vent your frustrations to so that way you can still be that example of Christ Mm. to your spouse. Well, I'm sure he saw a huge difference in you because he knew you before, obviously. Well, and he was like, I want what you have. When we got back together, he's like, I want what you have. And I was like, I have Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's who I have. Right. Do you think you were crazy at first? Oh, yeah, for sure. Because I wouldn't make out with him when we went on our first date. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, sorry. Okay, bye. Love you. Like, but it was true. Like, I had surrendered fully. Hmm. And that means my old life was gone of making bad choices and sex before, like all of those things. I just, and he thought I was crazy. Right. And when we got back together, there was a time where he had to live with his mom. He's like, I can't do this. I was like, you got to figure it out because you can't come home. I love that. Until we're married. That's amazing. You just can't. Way to go, Cheryl. It was weird. I, I was. I just knew God was doing something, and I was just like, "Yeah, you probably." I mean, none of us understand fully right yeah. now, you know. But yeah, that's awesome. So, we have clearly talked about a lot of things, and you yeah. have been so gracious to share the ugly parts of your past mm-hmm. that beautifully set up your present and your mm. future. But I'm. Probably confident there's uh, something we've missed, something else you want to say, whether it's scriptures or just encouragement. What is it that we have not asked you that you're like, hey, I need to say this? There is no doubt when I look back over my life, I can see moments in my drug use when I should have been in a ditch dead. There's moments where I could have been in a house that got raided. And I look back and I see the hand of God redirecting, saving me, all of these things. And whenever I became a follower of Christ, the cornerstone, it was the the hand of God and His Word that saw me through all of the pain. It wasn't a person, place, or thing. It was Him. Mm. It was His Word. And so... Um, If you're listening right now and you're like, okay, I want to know what those are, like grab a piece of paper and a pen. Hmm. I listen to podcasts. So if you need to go back 30 seconds, you can go back 30 (laughs) seconds. Click that button. You can click that button. Um, But the first one that I want to share with you is um, in Psalms 4610. And it says, be still and know that I am God. When I first gave my life to Christ, I remember reading that verse. And it meant something at that time. Today, it means something totally different because now I dive further into it. I'm like, well, what does be still mean? Mm -hmm. Well, be still means to be quiet, to let go. And so there's times today when God's telling me to be still. And I'm like, okay, so you want me to be quiet and let go. I got you. I see what you're trying to say. (laughs) But just be still. Listen to worship music. Um, There is a, a song that Life Church wrote called I Won't Move. And it follows along with be still and know, like just be still, like I won't move until you speak. 
Allow that song to minister to your spirit, to your soul, because God is faithful through His Word, and His mm-hmm. Word is often sung through worship, mm-hmm. right? And um, that instrumental version oh, with the video on YouTube with so Cassidy. Good. Oh, it's so good. It is so good. Yes, it is so powerful. And it speaks to me today in a different way, but it's so powerful. The other one, which is so profound for me as well, is Isaiah 54, 17. And that is, no weapon formed against me will prosper. No weapon means no, no person, no place, no thing, no word, no action, no behavior. No circumstance will form against me. God is faithful. Um, he's so incredibly faithful. I actually have those two verses tattooed on me. Like I love tattoos. Another thing I haven't shared, like I love tattoos. I love getting (laughs) tattoos. I have a full sleeve and it is like my therapy time. I love it. Um, So So you're saying you put needles in your skin and that's therapy for you? Yeah. Okay. Uh, You're going to go full body? Note to self. I don't know. I'm working on a leg sleeve right now too, (laughs) but I've got my arm all covered up and it all has a meaning. I change Um, things too often. I'd probably hate it a year later, so I can't do it. It takes me some time. I got to make sure because it's permanent. It's not coming off. It's there. (laughs) So um, the next one that I would love to share, which is actually walking me through a season that I'm going through right now, which is pretty tough one, um, is Romans 8, 28. And we know that God works all things together for the good of those who love him, Mm. who are called according to his purpose. He works all things, not this or that. Not a few. He works all things Mm. together for the good. All of it. It's humbling. (laughs) Yes. And also just so comforting. Like, all right, God, I can't mess up your plan. And a pandemic can't mess up your plan. And all the crazy going on in the world. You are sovereign. Yeah. And I learned you don't just read his word and think it's going to go away. Like, speak it out loud. At first, it may feel awkward. And you're like, I I don't know why I'm doing this, but there's days where I'm just like, all right, Jesus, no weapon formed against me will prosper. That's what your word says. In the name of Jesus, I believe that. And when you speak the word of God, the enemy will flee like a coward that he is. And so I just learned to speak that over my children, my husband, friends, family, over myself. The person at the grocery store. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Many times I've stopped in the middle of an aisle at Walmart, meeting somebody struggling. I'm like can I pray for you right now? And she's like, looking both ways down the aisle. Like, she's like, yes. I'm like, okay, let's do it. You know. And she'll probably remember that forever. Yeah. So. so you alluded to going through something right now. So you're saying you're not just perfect and everything's no. not flawless at this <laughs> no. point in life. Yeah. So I was recently diagnosed with disc degeneration disease. I have a C5, 6, and 7 in my neck that are really compressed. So it's causing this sometimes debilitating pain that like shoots down my right arm. And so I go see a chiropractor. I go through physical therapy. um, I get spinal injections. And it's been really hard. I'm not used to having pain. I'm used to just kind of going with the flow and just blowing and going all the time. And I'm a go-getter. I'm a busy person. I don't like things to slow me down, Mm -hmm. right? And so God's reminding me, okay, be still. Be still. Be still. But then Romans 8, 28 is just, I know that he works all things together. Yeah. And he's done it again in my life where he's been faithful. Mm -hmm. So I know he'll do it again. Mm, I love that confidence. Yeah. I don't know what it looks like. But one of the things right now is my nutrition. You know, I, I love food. And I love the taste of it. And I've recently found out I'm sensitive to gluten and dairy and soy, which Mm. is no fun at all. (laughs) 
It's no fun. Bread I'm just and like, cheese. oh, and I like cheese and queso and salsa and all those things, but there's a sensitivity. And so right now I'm like, okay, I know I can do this. And he works all things together for the good, but I have to do the hard work. I have to be willing to eat healthy. I have to be willing to go to the gym when I don't want to, and at least do cardio, at least do something because it conditions my heart. Mm. And I know when my heart is conditioned, my body is healthy, but it's hard work. Yeah. Mm. It's hard work. One thing I want to mention is where my husband is today is he is walking in freedom. He is not, um, he's not his mistakes. He is who God has called him to be. He's a man of God. He leads our family well, and he's walking in freedom. And it is amazing to see what God is doing in and through him. One of the things that I love so much is his willingness to be open. And so he has covenant eyes on his phone. Um, I have access to all of his emails. Uh, What's so funny is that sometimes uh, whenever he has to go to a job in the evening, he'll actually send me like a selfie of wherever he's at because he knows that sometimes I have those PTSD moments where I'm just like, okay, where's he really going? It's really late at night. And he just knows. He knows that sometimes I feel unsafe. And he wants nothing more than for me to feel safe. And one thing I love about it so much is no matter how much I struggle sometimes with maybe trust or maybe just worry, he never asks me if I'm over it. He never asks me to get over it. He says, you know what? I understand. And how can I make you feel safe? That's beautiful. Beautiful. All right. So on top of those verses, do you have any favorite resources that you can't get enough of? Obviously the Bible, but anything else that's helpful that you want to recommend to others? Yeah. So resources is first, ask your local pastor for um, a therapist. A Christian therapist to be exact. Yes. A Christian licensed therapist and be willing to do the hard work. Mm. And I always tell people that it's the most courageous thing you can do is to go through therapy. Um, And then if you are in that season where your marriage is struggling, maybe you guys are separated right now. Um, I remember reading Gary Chapman's Hope for the Separated, and it really took my eyes off of Josh. And it allowed me to focus on myself and my relationship with Christ. And it was really powerful. If your marriage is in recovery right now because of an affair, I strongly encourage you to read Cindy Beale's mm-hmm. first book, and that is Healing Your Marriage When Trust is Broken. She's actually getting ready to celebrate 10 years of that book, and I'm so excited. What? But I remember what? reading that book, and I read it twice. It's like tattered, and mm-hmm. like I'm pretty sure I've ripped through some of the pages with a pen of highlighting things because it was so incredibly powerful for me. Um, it was hard to read because it was truth, and it was like, oh my gosh, she is talking to me right now. Mm. But it was really powerful for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then any podcast, man, listen to the Messy Table podcast. Go back and listen because there's so many fruitful voices of truth. And it's it's powerful. It's a good thing to do hard work. Yeah, we're grateful for women like you who are willing to come on. Yeah. So, of course, I appreciate you saying those things about my book. And I could not agree with you more about Gary Chapman. Mm-hmm. I want to throw in a resource that I actually see written on your notes, The Bondage Breaker. Yes. By oh, Neil D. Anderson. Can I just throw that in there Please with you? Please do. I don't even know why I didn't mention that. Yes, it was a pivotal moment for pivotal. Josh and I. And my husband buys that book by the case. And what's the second book? Uh, Victory Over the Darkness. Both are so yes. good. Yeah. They are both so good by Neil T. Anderson. Big fan, big fan. So great resources. And um, as we finish out this amazing time with you, Cheryl, 
one final dose of encouragement, one final opportunity for you to take some of that courage Mm. within you and just bring it as a transplant to someone else? What would you say? You know, I mentioned this earlier, but it's something that I wrote down because I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. Your past, it does not define who you are. Jesus says who you are. And I can't think of a better verse than Psalms 139.14, where God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And He created you, He knows you, and He loves you more than you could ever ask, think, or possibly begin to imagine. So good. We are so grateful for your story and the power of redemption in your life. And just thank you for coming on. Thanks for doing the hard work. Mm. You're an example. Still doing it today. Good job. Thank you so much for having me. I love both of you so much. I love you. Y'all, I mean, does it get any better than that? I don't have anything left to say because I am literally speechless, but I do want to remind you that all of the resources mentioned can be found in the conversation notes. We'd also love for you to connect with us on Instagram at the messy table podcast and, or tell somebody about Cheryl's powerful story by texting it to someone, sharing it on social media. We can partner together to share these stories of hope. Of course, you can also subscribe for free wherever you stream podcasts. And if you don't already have a church home, we are currently in a series at Life Church called Emotions, how to process them, how to understand them, how to leverage them for God's glory. And we would love to invite you to join us either in person or at church online. Again, we'll have it all linked in the conversation notes. And as you head back into the world and gather around your own tables, remember, yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.